Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 90 of Unblocking Crypto. How great to chat with you again. Good to be here, bud. So this week is a packed week of exciting news to talk about and then some stupid shit to talk about too. But let's start out with the really exciting stuff. And Bitcoin had some massive price action here recently. And a lot of that has to do with some really positive news around the ETF space. The first one being BlackRock and their ETF, which looks like it's going to be called IBTC, was actually listed on the NASDAQ trade clearing form. So that's really exciting and usually is the precursor to it officially being listed on all of NASDAQ. Yeah, it seemed like the little bit of news leaked out for BlackRock's ETF, the ticker symbol, and then the the seed funding getting underway in October. So I think those two little things were just enough of a spark to get some money flowing in and with conviction that this ETF is going to actually go forward. So it kind of spurred what I would consider to be like a, it felt like a bull market day, right? The the day opened at 30,000, basically 30,000 even. The low for the whole day was 29.9. So it barely went down all day. And its high was 34,300. So you're talking about over a 10% jump from the open and then it closes at 33 and so it doesn't pull back much from the high wick on the close so it's a 10 percent day but the important piece to that 10 percent day is altcoin values weren't dropping and pushing money into bitcoin bitcoin's going up altcoins are going up so that means cash inflows are coming in which is a bull market kind of feel so that was that was nice, and it felt like it was happening on a small amount of news relative you know we've had good news where the price goes down recently, so to me, it just had that it had that feel you know like i was uh, i think I was cooking dinner and listening to a podcast or I was listening to a, a Twitter spaces about something it had some Bitcoin people in it, but it was about macro level stuff, and they kept interrupting like hey bitcoin's at thirty one thousand and then a minute later, it's at 32,000. And then five minutes later, it's at 33. I'm like, that's not, I haven't heard stuff like that in years. So that was that was a pretty bull run feeling day, which is nice considering where we've been for the last few months or last 18 months. Ooh, I mean, yeah, I think the stat that I saw was we haven't seen a 4% increase in over a year. So, and this was a 10% increase, right? So this is this is huge to see any sort of jump and that it's probably been a lot longer than a year since we've seen anything like that. Yeah. A 10% day is a good day for sure. Yeah. So some other really positive news too. The U S court of appeals actually mandated the sec to re-examine grayscale's application for a spot ETF BTC or spot BTC ETF. So I'm sure that helped as well with the overall news, which means Theoretically, there there's going to be some coming soon. Even Gary Gensler, I think, when they interviewed him, even his the way he talks about it has completely changed. Where he's trying not to say how many are going to be released at the same time, but it's it's almost like professor speak back when he was at MIT talking about how this is going to happen. Not that he's trying to appeal it and make it not happen. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, it wasn't like he was tipping his hat either way, but it, it didn't seem like he was going to continue the fight for much longer. So uh, to me, this is all of this is part of the don't short Bitcoin mentality because, you know, if you look at Bitcoin cycles, it kind of looks like you still have several more months before the price starts to escalate. You got the happening in April. So, you know, until late summer, you know, there's no real rush to start buying Bitcoin. <clears throat> Macroeconomic stuff, it sounds terrible. Recessions and wars and conflicts and potential world war stuff. So it looks like, yeah, man, this Bitcoin's about to see its first big war. It's going to see its first recession. You know, this Bitcoin price should drop. Da, 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 da. And it's like, all right, I'm going to have one of the biggest days I've had in years. So if you're shorting Bitcoin, you're, you, I feel like the amount of regret that you can feel is through the roof. And it's probably not worth the extra couple percent of gains you have if you're, if you're trying to trade your way up. So this is why I think Bitcoin is, it, you just buy it and collect it. Yeah, I think everybody's disappointed that the ETF trading symbol wasn't going to be HODL. I think everybody's wanting somebody to come up with with one of those. But I mean, so I mean, you, we talked about it's not just Bitcoin; it's the altcoin. The SEC also dropped their charges against the Ripple founders, which is like Ripple's third big piece of news in a row. So, I mean, from a, an overall crypto perspective, the the justice system, Supreme Court, seems to be on the side of crypto, and things are moving in a, a very positive direction. Granted, there's a long ways to go, but it's exciting to see that the SEC doesn't have complete control over all of this and the rest of the government can use their influence to make some things happen too. Yeah, I think the SEC gets to dictate everything they want to dictate up until people start to fight back and take them to court and be able to actually explain things to impartial people. Because even Hester Pierce, she was on CNBC again yesterday, and she said she's been thinking we should have said yes to a spot Bitcoin ETF five years ago. And just the way she talks, it sounds like she can't understand what's going on in the heads of her fellow commissioners. It just doesn't make sense to her. So we've talked about it. The, the, some of the decisions and the reasons behind the decisions, they don't make sense. So when things don't make sense, usually money's involved. So at a certain point, maybe they run out of time that they're trying to buy so that their big money donors and things can get positioned. But eventually you, eventually you look like an idiot and you need to do the right thing and say, all right, you know, here's the, the approvals we're going to do. They need to approve them all, I think, in order to not be influencing who's going to be the winners and losers. So I'd say, you know, that January timeframe is looking pretty good. I think people are going to expect it sooner. Yeah. And I mean, maybe the positive thing to say, we've been kind of talking about a lot of other places in the world are ahead of the U.S. There's still other places that are struggling with kind of wrapping their, their hands around this, too. Hong Kong has kind of switched their stance, too. And in the past, their spot ETF or spot Bitcoin ETF was supposed to be institutional only. And they are now changing what they're saying and saying that it's going to be available to retail. Now, the only catch is they don't want this to incorporate any virtual assets, which to me, that is 
kind of a derivatives of something else in another part of the world. But they also are going to require all their investors to take a one-off test to make sure they understand the risk and also prove that they have sufficient reserves to take a risk like this too. So, I mean, there are some catches to this, but at least they are changing their mindset on what makes sense and what should be allowed from a crypto perspective. Yeah, I, I heard about like the, the test you'd have to take. So when I first started doing option trading, and I think actually you were involved in the options trading course I had to take in order to qualify to trade options on TD Ameritrade. Yep. Like I had to sit in on a class and basically prove that I understood a thing or two about options before I could trade options. And so I, I feel like this is kind of like that. So fundamentally, do I think this is a, a necessary thing and governments should be involved in making sure people understand things? No. Uh, if If you had to pass a test before you started a business or a restaurant, no one would start businesses or restaurants. I mean, you not for the first time anyway. So you you learn a lot by doing something the first time. So I'm not sure that that's kind of how free markets work. But at the same time, I can see why you need to do this. If it's a if it's an onerous test, uh, then it feels kind of like regulation in order to suppress action. But if it's a couple of questions and making sure you understand that you can lose everything and it's you know you're you're in a innovative market and things are volatile and things like that that's fine you know making sure you have enough funds that's kind of like an accredited investor kind of thing i don't know that i like that like that sounds like hey this this market could boom and if you don't have enough money you can't be a part of it so from a inclusion of everybody standpoint which is one of the things i like about bitcoin you know anybody that's got 10 extra dollars can at least see the the same gains of that $10 that Michael Saylor is going to see on his billions. So you take that away. I don't like that. I don't know why somebody with a small amount of money couldn't operate in this, in this, in this world. Well, I have no idea what their sufficient amount means either. I mean, for the most part, if you're investing in a B, an ETF, you probably have some sort of money sitting there from a 401k or something is my guess. I mean, yeah, to your point, anybody can go out onto a strike or something similar and buy a little Bitcoin and hold it. And it's probably better than holding an ETF anyways. Right. So if it's, I don't think it's eliminating the, the small guys, it's, it's more of kind of a CYA for a lot of these, these companies. They're just saying, Hey, we're going to do this now, whether that's, you need a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars in your account. I have no idea. Right. That's, I don't think those details have come out yet. So, some other interesting things, kind of going back to the U.S., I don't know if you've heard, the California legislative has is trying to pass a crypto ATM bill. So right now, this kind of goes into a handful of things that we're going to talk about where government has been blaming all this money laundering on crypto and the whole thing in Israel with Hamas that it wouldn't be possible to do without crypto, which... I think has been Nonsense. yeah debunked by a lot of people, but it's still the message in mainstream media. So it, they're taking advantage of it while they can. But California wants to pass this bill that allows you only to take out one thousand dollars per day from a Bitcoin ATM. So the current limit is fifty thousand. 
which I don't know any ATMs that allow you to take 50,000 out per day. <laughs> no, that's a, having, that's a lot of cash inside of an ATM. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of interesting. And then the other thing is typically the fees from those have been anywhere from like 12 to 25%. And they are trying to limit it to the bill would limit it to $5 or 15%, whichever is higher. So still a lot of money. I mean, 15% is a big haircut to take on a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, I guess that's good, but I don't know who's using it if they're having to pay 15% to turn it into cash. But um, You know, if you don't, if you are unbanked, then it's the only way to buy Bitcoin. I guess that's true. Like if you don't have a bank account, you can't use any of these even strike and things like that. I mean, you're, you're so people at that level, but guess, guess what they're not doing withdrawing $50,000 at a time. Yeah. So I don't know, man, I, you know, I don't pretend to know what goes on with California legislature. I, I don't know how many good decisions they've made. I don't know that this is like one of those, it feels like when the government makes a piece of legislation or some action against some boogeyman so that it's like, Hey, look what we did. It's something. You know, yeah, we've got homelessness running rampant and we've got uh, insanely high taxes and very little value coming back. But look what we did. We passed this to eliminate and then they can just make up the numbers on what problem that solves and how much money that helps them, you know, keep. So I kind of do like them putting some regulations on how much how much these Bitcoin ETFs can capture in fees. Like yeah. that, that does seem like an exorbitant amount of 15% is a lot. I mean, we had an awesome day yesterday in Bitcoin, and that was a 10% day. So if you bought at, the, at an ATM and paid 15%, you're still you're still behind. Well, so while all this stuff is going on with this messaging from Washington about crypto being the cause of terrorism, the U.S. Treasury has announced that it wants to label all crypto mixers a national security threat. So the tornado caches and everything else out there that's going to be similar – they think that that is something that needs to be somewhat eliminated and not used because it's what everybody is apparently using to cipher money into all these terrorist organizations, which is still a bunch of crap, but it kind of goes back to they want complete control and know what everybody's doing, and they can't do that today with their current cash solution. So they, they want to pre prevent anybody else from having a solution that works, I guess. Fine. It's such a loser move <clears throat> if they eliminate that. Just say, okay, fine, they eliminate the mixers. Terrorism is going to be funded with, at equal amounts using what other r methods they want, including cash and dollars. And they'll have zero ability to have any visibility or any tracing of anything whatsoever. So that's, to me, it, you're forcing their hand back into untraceable methods of, of transferring funds so that's uh, whatever uh, the government's so far behind it's it's only going to get farther behind yeah and then some other big news the new york attorney general it's apparently going after dcg and some of its other companies gemini trust and a few others saying that it defrauded their customers for over a billion dollars so i'm not sure what this means i mean new york has typically been somewhat accurate with their view of things since they did not allow their residents of New York to be part of Voyager or Celsius or anything else. So I, I'm not sure how they're going to go after and get this money, but, or get well, what they're going to get for these people. But they're saying it was the, 
the middle class investors that took the hit and not the wealthy individuals that were investing there. So be interesting to see what, what happens with all this note. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of curious to see what goes on. I'm not following that too tight, but the, it seems like something's fishy enough in there that there's probably something going on. That's a little, a little sketchy at least maybe not all the way nefarious. So, and some interesting news on some, from, from, from some other countries, Argentina, I don't know if you've been paying much attention to them. We talked about them a, a while ago where they had this libertarian economist, economist, economist that was running for president and actually gaining a lot of attention. Well, he gained about 30% of the vote, <laughs> so, which did not allow the other guy to get a majority. So he is now forced to run off with somebody else. Now, the other guy got in the low 40s percent. So I think now the two of them will have a runoff and it sounds like one of them has to get at least 40% and win by more than 10% for it to be considered a done deal. But it's exciting that you have this very pro Bitcoin guy that came out of nowhere that is possibly going to be the president of Argentina here pretty soon. Yeah. The only thing I can add there is I, my understanding is the, 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 the force a runoff and the third place guy is going to support Javier, the, the Bitcoin, the, the pro Bitcoin yeah. Austrian economist. He's throwing his support his way. And the only other thing I can say is if, if the Bitcoin guy wins, that's good for Bitcoin, obviously. If the non-Bitcoin guy wins, that's good for Bitcoin because Argentina is going to hyperinflate and people are going to buy Bitcoin. So <laughs> Bitcoin goes undefeated in that election, I think. Yeah. And then El Salvador, I don't know if you paid much attention there. Uh, the president has done an amazing job turning El Salvador around. Typically, El Salvador has a five-year presidential term, and I think you can only do it once. The Supreme Court has changed it to where you can do it twice five-year terms within 10 years, although you cannot be a sitting president while you're campaigning for the next term. So he has, I think, two more days to announce that he's going to go after a second term, which means he'll have to step, step down from being a president <laughs> of El Salvador to campaign for the elections that I think happen in sometime early next year. <laughs> oh, man. I was thinking you would just be the president and not campaign and people would just vote for you based on what you actually did, which would be a strange thing for us politics, <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense to be like, yeah, I, actually this guy's just working and not out here, you know, traveling the country, garnering votes. I like that. I think that would have been nice. So yeah. we'll see. I like, I seem to, I kind of like that guy, Bukele. He's, he he talks like a Bitcoin guy. He's like confident in what his views are, and you know everybody tries to tell him he's wrong, and he doesn't think he's wrong, so he sticks with his guns. So I, I I like that. I mean, yes, from what I've seen so far, he's done a great job at El, with El Salvador, right? So he's put them on the map and put them ahead of everybody else. Whether he's president for the next term or not, will be interesting to see what the next guy does and and where things go. Yeah, I mean, once you give people in a country like that a little taste of some freedoms and some patriotism, you know, I, I think they're going to rally around that. Yeah. So some other interesting news. 
we've talked about Coinbase and their layer two base. Coinbase has been pretty outspoken about pushing towards more decentralization and they just open sourced all their code for base, which is pointing right in that direction, right? They, they want everybody else to see what's going on and have the community help to build it. So that's, that's exciting to see that Coinbase is kind of putting their money where their mouth is and, and, and allowing others to, to see what's happening and showing full transparency, right? Yeah, I mean, the open source stuff typically means you grew, you're able to get where you want to go faster as you got more people helping you out. So that's if you want to move fast, that seems to be the way. And then some, I feel like I have to talk about these just because they're good for everybody to be aware. Aptos was, I think, just celebrated their first anniversary of being a complete blockchain. And for those of you that aren't familiar with them, they were the old Libra that Facebook was developing and then spun out when Facebook said they weren't going to get involved in a lot of this. And they're this new speedy layer one that was supposed to take over the world, yada, yada, yada. Well, on their first anniversary, they went down for five hours. So just mm. like Solana again, where they need to hang a sign up saying when they're open for business, I guess that'd be helpful to know um, how Aptos is going to do. I mean, there's a lot of other blockchains that don't go down consistently, and now their their timer resets at zero. <laughs> yeah, and I was listening to some things on these altcoins going up while Bitcoin's going up. One of somebody mentioned that Solana's going up, and I think people are just surprised that Solana's still alive after the FTX stuff. And so, if they're alive, maybe they'll maybe they'll survive long term and grow. So, like they're getting they're getting funds flow in just for surviving. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Solana has some interesting partnerships going on with Solana Pay. And they seem to be somewhat thriving and could be one of the bigger altcoin stories in this next bull cycle, which is kind of crazy. I, I mean, I, I have some Solana. I didn't sell when it was in the toilet just because I, I was like, well, I don't get anything back. Might as well hold on to it. I guess I'm glad that I held on to it. Not that I'm a huge fan of it anymore, but I do hope that it <laughs> continues to perform just since I'm somewhat financially invested in it. WorldCoin had some updates too. I know we're still amazed that we're even talking about WorldCoin since I think there's still a couple of countries that are investigating them. But what they have done is they have switched their operator rewards from USDC to their token WLD, which of course is going to increase the supply. <laughs> kind of the crazy part is if you look at the actual supply, they have about 100 million coins distributed currently although there are 10 billion in total supply so they're they're right around a, a total one percent of the total supply that's been that is uh, circulating right now so it's kind of almost a joke that and they're they're at the very beginning i mean you can't trust anything if they're still 99 percent of it's going to be dilu diluted from where it is today yeah i don't see how you could view that as a good idea so one of the Bitcoin Lightning developers came out here recently and told everybody that he had found a vulnerability in a Lightning network, something about replacement cycling issues. And the good news is the patches have been deployed. So that's exciting. The bad news is he, he also said that he's planning on 
stepping away from lightning development <laughs> at this point. And he was one of the key guys from a security and vulnerability perspective for lightning network. So that's not good. I mean, I don't think Bitcoin's going anywhere for sure. The lightning network maybe still has some question marks, but I think we've always known that everything has growing pains and good news is they didn't find or nothing bad happened. They found the vulnerability and fixed it before it, it could be affected. But it's interesting to hear Bitcoin actually having somewhat of negative news. Uh, it's, not, it's not truly negative, but it's not truly positive either, right? So just interesting. Well, you just usually don't see you don't see people leave a Bitcoin oriented project like that. That that's that's interesting. I, I saw a headline about that, but didn't didn't go through the article. Yeah. But. I agree. A lot of times, like Jack Dorsey, you know, I, I'm going to quit what I'm doing and I'm going to devote everything full time to Bitcoin, right? Like you see, you see that. You don't see a lot of people saying, "Yeah, I'm not going to devote myself to Bitcoin anymore." Now, I don't know. I doubt that guy's going to go work at Walmart. So, so I, I may go. I think he's just stepping away from. Else. I think he just stepped away from Lightning. I don't think this means he's getting away from Bitcoin. So, I mean, I mean, maybe the message here is: as long as you're dealing with Bitcoin, you're fine. Once you start dealing with Lightning, and I mean, I think Lightning is is key to make Bitcoin more feasible for minor transactions rather than just kind of storage. So I, I still think Lightning needs to happen, but it's interesting that he's just stepping away from Lightning. And I mean, I don't know if he's going just to plain Bitcoin or, or what. He didn't really say what. He just said he's not focused on the Lightning side of things anymore. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't think that's going to be, I don't think that kills Lightning. I don't know who he is, and I don't know, you know, what that looks like, but I know that team's, I mean, they've got more than just one guy. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good news is it's a huge amount of people, developers that are working on this. It's also all open source, so someone else can easily step in and, and help out. So, yeah, one person is not going to make or break any of this, which is good. Right. And also, <clears throat> when you talk about vulnerabilities on Lightning, you know, if you're, that's one. Yep. Okay. You know, this is a fair, there's going to be some glitchy stuff, but the beauty of lightning is your transactions are small, like five to $10, you know, $25 transactions. So if you'd have a, if there's a flaw, your worst case is you're liable for 10, 15, 25 bucks. You know, you're, we're all trying new things, right? We're all part of this innovative early adopter kind of situation so you if if you don't know that there's some risk i think you're you're not paying attention so by mitigating your risk down to that kind of a number on the transaction side that's fine i mean even in the lightning channels if you're putting your bitcoin onto a lightning channel to help improve the liquidity of the network you you definitely know you're taking risk you definitely know you're part of an innovative thing and if that's where the vulnerability is they even tell you not to put much Bitcoin on a Lightning channel for the same reasons. So I, to me, everybody goes into Lightning with eyes wide open. Everybody knows it's kind of an early beta phase thing. And so for them for them to expose a vulnerability is not unheard of. So yeah, this is kind of how it works. You do this now so that when Bitcoin's through the roof and everybody's using it and people are starting to use it for, instead of transferring out of Bitcoin back into cash, Paying for something in cash when somebody wants Bitcoin too, you can just go straight Bitcoin to Bitcoin, and you can do it over Lightning. You know, we're years away from that happening at any sort of big scale. 
So yeah, go ahead and have these problems now. Yeah, no, I agree. So I kind of want to start closing up with a couple of really positive things from my perspective. And the first was Larry Fink's latest TV appearance on one of the Fox News channels. And Larry Fink, of course, is the CEO of BlackRock, and we've been we talked about the ETF earlier. We're almost I feel like I want to start calling him the uh, chief marketing officer of Bitcoin at this point because uh, one of He's his kind of sliding into that Michael Saylor like new Michael Saylor role. There's all <laughs> you know. There's the the first one to jump in and he's like, you know, if I really kind of put my weight behind this, I might be able to move the market a little bit too. And it yeah. seems like he's doing the same kind of thing, play, same playbook. Yeah. It, but it's interesting. I mean, he's probably been one of the biggest turnaround stories, right? I mean, in, in 2017, oh, yeah. he came out and said Bitcoin was just an index of money launderers. Right? And I mean, Peter Thiel called him out along with like Warren Buffett and I forget who else is being, kind of one of the, the biggest issues with Bitcoin back in what, 2018, something like that. So what's crazy now is he was on Fox Business and he called Bitcoin a flight to quality. Or all this money that people were kind of going to, he's, he's pretty much saying Bitcoin is the place where everybody wants to go to to get one of the safest places out there, right? Which is, it's, it's such a big turnaround from where he was six years ago. And it's, it's kind of nice to see. Yeah, you know, it's when you have conviction about something and people are talking trash about it. You know, look at their book. If they're thinks invested in things that are anti-Bitcoin. So, he, I mean, at the time he was pushing the ESG funds that he they just created, right? They they're the inventors of ESG. So, guess what he has to do? You know, he can't be pro-Bitcoin if he's if he's saying that ESG funds are the future. And pushing and pushing that entire narrative, so it's you know it's all a game. I mean, I don't I don't hate the guy for it, but you got to realize what people are doing and why they're saying things. I mean, there's a reason why Elizabeth Warren doesn't doesn't know enough about Bitcoin to have an opinion about it either way. Her opinion on Bitcoin is is strictly money driven. So you know, thinks in the same boat. So is everybody else. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about was an interesting partnership that I'm. I'm just finding out about, and it's exciting. I mean, you know that I'm a Cardano fan, and mm -hmm. Hedera is actually another one that I'm really intrigued with, just with some of the possibilities that they have. We've known for a while that Cardano has been pretty vocal in going after Africa, right? And, and partially because, one, there's so many people that are unbanked in Africa, and they don't have to deal with all of the existing infrastructure that places like the U.S. and these other financial capitals have to deal with because that jump to blockchain is going to affect a lot of companies in a, in a major way and, and probably in a negative way, right? If, if they lose a ton of their revenue stream, what does that do for them? So we've seen some things happening. There's also a company called Mtech. When you look at Mtech, it's a company that came out of MIT. So another fairly smart organization, and they are partnering, it's almost like the three of them are partnering to help come out with a, is this a CDBC in Ghana, it sounds like, or just a whole infrastructure going on there. So it's, it's really interesting that this is kind of happening under the radar and nobody's really talking about it right now. Granted, I don't think it, most people understand what's going on, but it'll be intriguing to see if this starts taking off 
what it turns into in the rest of Africa. Because if if they can do it in Ghana, why couldn't they do it in a handful of other places as well? Yeah, I mean, Africa seems to be a decent little sandbox for crypto, Bitcoin stuff to play in. They're, they've got enough problems to where they'll try stuff. So the consequences are globally are not through the roof. So that's it's not a bad spot. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, anytime I can hear positive news about Cardano and Hedera, that's always exciting. And I mean, kind of like what we talked about during this bear market, people have been, the good companies have continued to invest and continue to work on things. And if you look at both Cardano and Hedera, they have, two, I know Cardano is, I think, at the top one, but Hedera, I think, was in the top five of most developers working on their stuff, right? So there's a lot of stuff they're doing that, they don't have the marketing machine that other companies have, or at least they're not pushing it hard, but they're going after just pure use cases that they think will make a difference in the future. So what else did I miss for us to talk about? I mean, I know we ran through a ton of things there, but it, the ETF news was super exciting, but there's a lot of little things happening behind the scenes too. Yeah. I mean, the big stuff we, we definitely hit, you know, just the having the feel of a, a bull market again, where it's like, I should have bought more. You know, like yesterday was one of those days where it's like, ah, man, will we see the 20s again? You know, all of those same kind of bull market thoughts that go through your head when the price is ramping up and, you know, you're kind of hearing about it from different angles. So that's just, it's nice to be, it's nice to have a taste of that, even if it's just one day and a fluke and it's not going to be, you know, a couple of days a month that you feel like that. So, so that's that's good. It's good to get to get back into that. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of people calling for some sort of housing recession or stock market recession, right? Or or crypto in general, where we'll usually it, it's pretty correlated. So there could be a crash, but if all of a sudden people see a, a safer alternative, I mean, gold's looking very positive right now. Bitcoin's looking very positive. I think this is kind of the first weekly turnaround from a Bitcoin chart that we've seen in a very long time. So does this mean that the bottom is in and we're not going to see anything lower for quite some time, but who knows, right? Shoot, we were, we were probably yeah, at 50,000. Oh <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still, still feel good. I felt good at 25. Like it was nice to build that floor, but yeah. And, and if there is a recession and then, you know, does Bitcoin somehow come out as a, a place where people are squirreling money away? Or are are the people who are buying Bitcoin actually going to sell it in order to have to fund their, their lifestyle? Or are they going to be more conservative investors that aren't leveraged? I mean, that's who gets ta- taken out quick, right, is, is the highly leveraged in a recession yeah. are people that are paycheck to paycheck. You know, are, are Bitcoiners paycheck to paycheck, and and buy and dollar cost averaging into that, and I mean, if they have to stop buying Bitcoin in order to fund their lifestyle, that's one thing. But if they have to actually sell it in order to fund their lifestyle, that's where I think you'd get a big price drop, because you know, even in a recession, not not every industry in a recession goes negative. There are, there's always winners, you know, people are still, the economy still rolls forward. It just rolls backwards a little. And some, some sectors of that economy get hit way harder than others. So 
it'll be interesting to see which sectors there get hit, how that impacts Bitcoin. And then if it's happening at the same time as an ETF opens up, you know, I mean, recessions typically don't just deplete 401ks, IRAs, Roths, and things like that. And once there's a ticker symbol, people can just pull money out of their index funds and put it into Bitcoin spot ETFs. And that's money that's just straight flowing into Bitcoin that, that's a even if even if people are only moving three four five percent, that's gonna take over a lot of the the lost income from the bitcoiners that may see some recessionary problems, and then we're right around the corner from the having. So you know, there's less sell pressure coming from Bitcoin block rewards from the miners. So it's you know, timing's everything, and the government seems to have all these weird tools they can use to delay the recession, including changing the definition of a recession so that we just never have one again. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, like if you have any certainty on what you're investing in and uh, all that and, and the time frame, then, you know, I think you have a blind spot because this is a super weird time between global unrest and macroeconomic issues and the the backlash of ri raising interest rates super fast so all of that stuff you know within the 6 months from from now <clears throat> also in 6 months is a happening so it's going to be you know I i'm not selling any bitcoin i'm still buying my normal amount and whatever happens happens i my expectation is that it's up in the long term and I don't even know what time. I mean, that, that long term, it could be up in the short and long term. Uh, you know, it could be the, it could be a winner in the Bitcoin in them, in even in a recessionary field because it's just such a small asset class. It doesn't take that much money in order to grow. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the history, it's typically six months after the happening that you start to see Bitcoin kind of take off, and we're still twelve months away from that. Right. So to see a lot of this positive news right now. It, it's rare. <laughs> it's just the positive price action, I should say, right? So don't expect for it to continue to go up and to the right consistently. It does come back down. The question is, where does it come back down to? And, and, and it's true if I knew the answer to that question, man, life would be really nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I looked at the chart and we hit a, a death cross, you know, where the 50 past the 200 daily moving average. So, bearish signal like pretty macro bearish signal on the chart so i was like okay maybe there's gonna be another buying opportunity and then there was i think ecoin metrics put out a chart that showed you know we're 85 percent of the way through this cycle so there's like a 15 percent of the cycle left and they had those windows shown basically the the 200 days prior to the halvening and what that price action looked like. And so in the last cycle, you know, you had this giant dip in March 2020 for COVID. And so there was like a great buying opportunity between now and the having on the last cycle, which was not a black swan, but it's you can't expect that to happen again. I don't want that to happen again. And then in the previous cycle to that before the 17 having where that thing ramped up and went crazy. It was like just flat, boring. There's nothing special about that time period. So I was like, okay, cool. And then what does Bitcoin do? It has a it has a bear market day 
in that same window where, uh, you know, I, you can't see the days on that, but there, I do not think there was a 10% up day in either of those two. So, you know, uh, it's like everything. Bitcoin is going to do what you, it's going to surprise you. That it is. So awesome. Well, as always, it's always uh, good to, to chat and, and talk about this and looking forward to seeing what the next week brings to us since it seems like the momentum is changing for sure. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, the gains from yesterday are sustained, so it's not like they just dropped right back out. So that's a positive thing. Well, Hal, we'll chat later. Thanks for joining. Sounds good, Jason. Thanks a lot. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.